Welcome to Countersign. In these podcasts, I discuss books, films, and other materials with their authors and creators. This is the second series of Countersign. You can catch up on series one wherever you get your podcasts or by visiting countersignisapodcast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram. We welcome your feedback. More details at countersignisapodcast.com. Behrouz Bouchani's book, No Friend But the Mountains, is an extraordinary instance of resistance, survival, and courage. It was written on Manus Island, which is located off the northeast coast of Papua New Guinea, where Australia, for many years, ran a prison facility to hold refugees and other forced migrants who arrived in Australia by sea. The book is all the more remarkable because it was created on a mobile phone, one text at a time. Beruz documents his near-fatal journey by sea. And the book's poetic language and range make it readily comparable to Homer's Odyssey. The book is a composite narrative with fictionalized names and large portions in poetic verse. This makes it very difficult to categorize in terms of genre. But as Beruz makes apparent, the fundamental thing about this book is that it is a political act in response to the brutality and torture committed by Australia in these offshore prisons such as in Manus Island and Nauru. The prison on Manus Island was formally closed in October 2017, but many of its detainees continue to remain on Manus Island. Beruz Buchani himself was able to leave Papua New Guinea in 2019 to attend a literary festival in New Zealand. Beru spoke to me from Christchurch in late May 2021. We discussed the implications of the Australian border mentality for Australians themselves, currently in the context of COVID, but also in terms of the wider international influence and impact of Australia's border regime. Recent legislation introduced in the UK the Border Control Bill, seeks to emulate Australia's border regime. Australian and now UK and other countries treat those who arrive to seek asylum as in some way unlawful or illegal entrants. This mistaken categorization has enabled governments of different political persuasions to mobilize populations against refugees. But illegality and the crime lies in countries setting up these offshore detention centers and prisons and conducting torture and other inhuman and degrading treatment in the first place. Beruza's book, No Friend But The Mountains, serves as an extraordinary response an evidentiary archive 
and testimony to the brutality as well as the power of resistance, survival and solidarity for those fighting this cruel system. Welcome, Beruz Buchani. I'm delighted that you will join me uh, on Countersign and given me this opportunity to speak with you. Uh, your extraordinary book, No Friend But the Mountains, uh, has influenced um, much uh, critical work in law and in other disciplines. And I'm interested in uh, hearing about um, uh, how you set about thinking about this work, uh, which you obviously did in extremely harsh circumstances at, in Manus prison. And people have described the book as an epic, a tragedy, a myth. It is written with a great deal of poetry um, and with lots of surrealist images. At the same time, you have also said um, that in a sense, this book defies genre. It can't be classified as a particular kind of genre. So I'm interested in uh, first finding out how you thought about the book. Um, it would have started in small pieces of writing, which you obviously did on a mobile phone. So I wanted to get a sense of how the book emerged, how the writing emerged. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. Uh, I think uh, we can look at this book and analyze it in different ways. So some people approach it as a, a piece of literature or art. Some people uh, put it in the category of uh, biography. Mm -hmm. And some people, for the Kurdish people, they look at it as a part of the, their history, mm -hmm. that uh, the resistance history in Kurdistan and the tragedy in the history of Kurds. So, um, but my understanding, actually, if I look at it, uh, my understanding is that we should uh, understand this book as a, in the uh, context of politics. So mm -hmm. I look at it as a, a political act. Yes. So I know that this book happened in the uh, with the literature the language. Yes. But uh, my understanding is that we should approach it in this way as a political text and uh, as a political act because we should always remember that the reason I was writing this book, the first and the main reason was that I challenged the uh, political uh, structure in Australia and culture and exposed the system in yes. uh, which, uh, in Manus Island. So I, my understanding is that, so I look at it in that way so, but of course, uh, the readers, uh, uh, yeah, they are free to yes, uh, yes. have their own perspective. Yes, I mean, it is a, 
extraordinary act of political resistance, which, as you say, also exposes the system. And you bring uh, a keen eye to how Australia and Australian borders and the violence of the Australian state is there in Manus Prison, was there with you in Manus Prison. And you refer to this, of course, through the notion of the Kiriakou system. So you bring a, 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 a political uh, analysis to bear on, on the prison system. And your, your book and your writing has been compared to other uh, prison literature. Um, I also wondered about how you think about this analysis of the, the Kiriakou system now that you have uh, that you're no longer in Manus uh, Island, you're in New Zealand, but of course the, the Australian system of detention is influencing immigration systems and how refugees and other forced migrants are dealt with all over the world. So I wondered how your analysis of the Australian border system continues now. Uh, I think, um... You know, so you mentioned caricature system. Actually, in the uh, the original text, I used the uh, uh, the Farsi concept mm -hmm. uh, system hakem, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, but when the Omid wanted to translate it, he yes. suggested that we use he used the, the caricature system, which is a a philosophical, philosophical term, yes. which uh, borrowed in the, the feminism uh, theories. Mm. So it is same, I think. Yes. So and uh, so the reason I use that uh, concept just to uh, as a main concept to analyze the system and how this system uh, designed to uh take uh, to control people and yes. design to take the detainees uh, identity mm -hmm. and individuality so that that was the main reason and uh, the, this concept actually helped me to uh, not only write about the that system that particular system and about the detainees mm -hmm. but actually create a way and a space that we expand uh, this uh, concept to other parts of the society in the free world. You know, in the society in Australia, and mostly in Australia and in other countries, I mean, in the, the, this uh, capitalism system, if yes. we say it, capitalism system. So, I mean, just I use that term to uh, actually explain this that now in the society, in the free world, that we say free world, uh, there are many uh, systems <clears throat> which are very similar to Manus prison system. But what we claim is that Manus prison system is the um, original one. So mm -hmm. we should mm -hmm. study Manus prison system. So, uh, and if we look at the Australia the detention system, we are facing an industry. So yes. in Australia, the, a, a huge industry established on based of uh, keeping people in indefinite detention. Uh, 
So actually our problem, our fight is not uh, against uh, the people. I mean, mm -hmm. a minister or a prime minister or a party. Our mm -hmm. problem is with, with the, the, this mentality Mm -hmm. that uh, keep keeping the refugees or uh, innocent people in detention actually is normal uh, normal for them and they <clears throat> normal normalize this you know that is our problem is with the uh, first is with the structure yes which is a is an industry and second is the mentality and this mentality is uh, very related to the history of uh, colonialism in Australia and so our problem I think uh, the huge problem is with that with that mentality yes absolutely and and I think the uh, the, the mentality of the border and indeed the history of um, control on immigration and the racial politics of Australia is is something that you 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 draw attention to and I wonder whether you've um, thought about the the mentality of the border also now as it is unfolding in relation to COVID in Australia. You know Australia has some of the strongest uh, uh, border regimes in the world in response to COVID and there is a sense that now Australians themselves are prisoners in the continent of Australia. <laughs> Uh, both inside and outside they can't get back in there's australians who can't get back in uh, you would have heard about the treatment of uh, indian australians in particular now who are not able to return to australia and indeed that there are very very strong controls uh, of australians leaving the country i think that is a very great point that you mentioned about the uh, indian mm -hmm people so we actually i think that is that mentality that i'm talking about of course we understand that if a country put uh, uh, like restriction mm -hmm. but the problem is that they do this when the uh, the situation was very uh, really out of control in america mm -hmm. they didn't do like this no. you know no. so they they treat they treat India mm -hmm. in a different way. Mm -hmm. And that is the, what we are talking about, racism, which is a part of this mentality. And in the history of Australia for decades, they had this policy called white policy. White because Australia. They just, yeah, yeah, white Australia. So, I mean, that is very interesting. But another thing is that if we think about the, uh quarantine let me tell you a story yeah. i have been in touch with some people some australian citizens who uh, wanted to come back to the country and they were in uh, so they have to stay in the quarantine yes. and they put these people in a hotel some hotels that really uh so already people accepted that that uh, they should go to the quarantine for two weeks mm -hmm. but they put them in some hotels with uh, very uh unlogic and i said stupid rules mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. some rules that are not necessary mm -hmm. for example they keep them in the uh, the room without the window mm -hmm. 
and uh, they didn't tell them where they are going to take where they want to take them mm-hmm. to the to which hotel yes they they don't share this information with them and just they keep them in those uh, hotels and i'm in touch with uh, i have been in touch with some of those people and everyone are very angry and i say oh that is australia mm-hmm. so you just experience that system just for two weeks yes and you are like this so that system actually uh, is a system that never uh, answer mm-hmm. they are not uh, they are you cannot force them to uh, be the, the, like accountable they are not yes. accountable they yes. don't answer they don't share the detail they don't and they used to torture Mm-hmm. You, these people already accepted to stay in that country. Why do you torture them? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is the main question in Australia. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, uh, uh, if we look at the COVID, you know, and the, the restriction in Australia and the way they are uh, treating people, treating their own citizens, mm-hmm. and even in one stage, they were thinking about this. That was a huge debate in Australia that they want to uh send people to christmas island and they did for mm-hmm. a while mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. so they did for a while so the, actually they it, it seems that in that country the first uh thing that they uh, think about it is to just banish people and prison yes. in, in prison them you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is very interesting that that is a part of the mentality you know mm-hmm. so the only answer is that yes you know in the australian context so we have lots of uh, examples uh, if we talk about covid and uh, the way australia uh, control the borders and also about the the border itself as a concept yes you know and how australia is doing that and how they are uh, actually representing uh representing a policy which really uh is very injustice and very inhuman mm-hmm. yes and, and there, there is a there's absolutely this sense of um uh, a popularity you know there is a love for this carceral system that this is the as you said this is the answer to uh a problem that is you know understandably a health emergency where you'd expect countries to put special measures in place but uh, as you say the um, the fact that australians rush so quickly to detention as the answer uh to yeah the, some the, sort of the carceral... first thing they... yeah, oh, yeah yeah yes yeah no no the first thing and it's not only covid you know mm-hmm. it's not mm-hmm. only covid we can look at this in different ways you know that whole uh you know if we look at manus island and naru mm-hmm. the way they treat the refugees there and that policy how that policy impact on australian political culture you mm-hmm. know so because the exactly the same people are running australia i mean the mm-hmm. the people the politicians mm-hmm. who Uh, have been treating the refugees the, in that way mm-hmm. they are running australia so you cannot expect that uh, yes. someone do something in the street 
mm-hmm. in a way and come back at home and you know do it in a different way you know yeah. you are the same person yes. and that is the same system same mentality and there are many examples about that you know the way they are uh, the, actually restricting the, the media they want to control mm-hmm. the media in australia mm-hmm. because they already started that with uh, manus island with the refugees mm-hmm. because they already established a policy on based of secrecy yes you know and they normalize that and after a while they expand that to other parts of the, the society in australia and even they arrested some journalists you know they raid the, mm-hmm. the abc yes. office and yes. they you know there are many examples and the like homes the, of the journalists way, as well yes mm-hmm. yeah yeah exactly and uh, i mean the way the system was uh, they were treating the uh, people for bushfire Mm-hmm. people who became this uh, this place for uh, bushfire because mm-hmm. of bushfire in australia and i mean there are many uh, stories like this I, i don't remember them but yes. every day i see that in the news you know that something happened in australia that i uh, as a refugee already experienced that you yes. know and sometimes just i laugh <laughs> you know because that uh, as oh that is character system oh that is you know that remind me of uh, uh, my experience in manus island and i really i deeply understand that you know and sometimes when i look at australia and read the news or something happening in australia i really and you know just recently in the parliament with the scandal you know that that some the in the parliament uh, mm-hmm. it was a uh, they raped a woman the and violence, yes. yeah yes sexual violence the secrecy mm-hmm. the way the prime minister was trying to hide this the way mm-hmm. they were treating the media the way mm-hmm. they wanted to uh, silent people you know mm-hmm. to don't speak out the way they want to silence the victims you know it's very similar mm-hmm. for so, what i experienced yes and and this this is a useful uh, place to, to to sort of return to to the book no friend but the mountains because one of the things that uh, you um you sort of demonstrate in the book as you say so it's it the writing was a political act and it provides a political analysis that can be brought back to all of these other instances within australia but part of what you do is you also importantly draw on a kurdish tradition and style and um uh, way of using figurative language so i was i was conscious of the way in which you move for example in the early chapters in chapter 2 of the book where you are in the sea and you move from the sea to the mountains and from the mountains to the sea and you use this language in a way that um is i think very unique to 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 the sort of style that you have demonstrated in the book i wondered if you could say a little bit about how that enables this political analysis that your use of the language in this way i think the language so my question about the language i mean in this context you know i have a general 
uh, approach mm -hmm. and perspective towards language in this context. I mean, the language that we use as a marginalized people. So it doesn't matter if you are a refugee or you are a, mm -hmm. uh, uh, from uh, an LGBTQ uh, community. Mm -hmm. you, what is your, you know, the, you are a woman, you are an indigenous person, you know, it doesn't matter. I mean, mm -hmm. the marginalized people, people who are, uh, you know, uh, the, so um, I have a question and actually perspective general towards this uh, uh, context. I mean, the uh, for representing and writing about marginalized people. So my perspective is that we should create our own language. Mm -hmm. We should create our own concept because already the system the power structure has created its uh, own language. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, the media always follow that language. So we should create our own language to represent our situation. So that is my general perspective towards the, uh, the marginalized people. Mm -hmm. And uh, but about the book, you know, I think the language that you were talking about that sometimes the book become poetic, mm -hmm. which uh, actually that relate to the history of um, uh, actually to the, the the language itself, you know, Farsi, yeah. Arabic, mm -hmm. Kurdish, you know, these languages are poetic language. Yes. languages and there is a history of uh, huge and very rich poetry uh, history and tradition in uh, that uh, region yeah. so in any way that you write you you write uh, you know quite poetic and sometimes you even if you write in about politics you know your language the way you use uh, the words become like an poetic and even epic you know yes. so i'm i mean uh, that is the power of language so in that part of the book that you mentioned of course you know uh, just i go back i have a flashback to mm -hmm. kurdistan because you know, the thing that about the refugees is that and migrants, people that you never uh, get away of your history and background. And that mm -hmm. background actually always uh, chase you and is a part of your identity. Mm -hmm. So the best way to approach that just to acknowledge it and recognize it and use it as a source of power and yeah. creativity. Yeah. No, it, it is an extraordinarily powerful uh, use of language and and the poetic uh, representations that that you present in the book. And and the other really um, uh, important quality, and again, it's a it's a it's a sort of political and philosophical strategy, is that you you put what people will call nature or the environment or animals in that they become acting agents in your narrative. So you break down the border between hum, you know, humans and so-called nature. And you draw from also now indigenous knowledges in, in your work. So I wondered if you could 
again, say a little bit about how you break down these species borders and indeed the, the border between the human and landscape? Yeah, I think uh, uh, I would like to ask people and the listener to uh, actually, if they want and they are happy and are interested, to watch the movie uh, uh, Choka Pristal at the time. So mm -hmm. the movie that I uh, made with my yes. colleague Arash Kamali Sarvastani before that we released the book. So mm -hmm. the movie actually re was released on 2017. Yeah. So th that movie actually, if you people watch it, they think that how uh, nature is actually is very important in that context you know because that is a visual so people can watch it and see the whole manus island is a beautiful uh, island i mean mm -hmm. naturally and uh, so that that is very important if, if people go and watch it it is mm -hmm. like a tropical area area mm -hmm. uh, but in the book i think i focus on the nature as an element so i was uh, aware of that and I was using that nature as an element mm -hmm. to actually challenge the the prison you know mm -hmm. the violence of the prison and uh, so in a part of the book you see that even the main character of the book he uh, used to jump from the fences mm -hmm. and sometimes go to the beach you know so the, just to feel freedom and in other side you see the animals as a very important and you know that that connection i think in the this uh, context uh, the connection between human being and animals always is important you know if you look at the similar books Mm -hmm. that written in the prisons or in exile you see that always there are some animals because that animal uh, actually are uh, really important because you emotionally the animals uh, feed you mm -hmm. you know the emo in an emotionally way mm -hmm. and recently i published an article uh, which I say that it is the latest um, article about Manus Island mm -hmm. that I, well, I published in a website called Newsroom in or New Zealand. Mm -hmm. It's about the dogs mm -hmm. in Manus Island and how was the role of the dogs in that kind that uh, circumstances and how about my uh, connection and relationship with the dogs in uh, Manus Island. Do you, want to say a little bit of, do you want to say a little bit about that now? What what was your relationship with the dogs? Yeah, yeah. so in the article I explained about the, my history mm -hmm. of, uh, with the dogs, that at the beginning I didn't want to uh, approach the dogs because mm -hmm. there were some dogs around the prison camp. And after a while they came in, so all different communities uh you know we're taking care of the dogs and even i talk about the protest 
that we did inside the prison camp mm-hmm. and the dogs were there you know they became a part of the uh, community you know mm-hmm. and uh, the but i still didn't want to because i knew that when i leave this island mm-hmm. i must leave them too so i didn't want to actually have a, some uh, kind of commitment to those dogs Mm-hmm. But in the end, when most of the refugees were transferred to America, to USA, and I was, uh, so the dogs became uh, alone and no one was there to really uh, look after them. Mm-hmm. So they were hungry. So I had to feed some of them and I became friend with them. So we created a strong uh, friendship, you know, with those dogs. And in the end, one day they came and they said, oh, you, so the Manus prison camp closed. Mm-hmm. So they transferred us to Port Mosby and those dogs uh, remained there. Mm-hmm. So that, that is the whole story, you know. But I think it's very important, this kind of uh, thing. And in, in the movies, again, you see the animals, you know. Mm-hmm. You see the cat, you hear the choker bird, you know, mm-hmm. and I think uh, you see the butterfly, you know, all of these animals, um, you know, they are uh, incredible, you know, if we look at them in that context. Mm-hmm. I wondered if you wanted to say a little bit about what you're working on now and uh, what your what your plans are. Yeah, right now uh, I do uh, my own writing, mm-hmm. yeah, which is just fiction. Mm-hmm. So that is my own work. But the work that I and Omid are working on, uh, so that is very important. And actually, we put, uh, we spend uh, our time, you know. So fiction, just sometimes when I, if, if I feel it. But my main work is just working with Omid again. Mm-hmm. So we are, we have been working on a, a magazine, not a magazine, actually a journal, mm-hmm. an academic journal, which is the, we, I, Omid, Janet Galbraith and mm-hmm. Honey. Mm-hmm. So we, the, we are waiting to publish it. We already did it, just we are waiting they print it. This journal actually we publish the works written by the refugees and also indigenous writers. So uh, we link between the indigenous resistance and refugees. Yeah, which is uh, I think it's very uh, very really I really like that work. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think it's very important. Another one is a play that I and Omid just we work with some uh, indigenous uh, actors and directors. Mm-hmm. So that play is uh, coming out. Your, your work is uh, just extraordinarily inspiring. Um, I've been teaching No Friend But The Mountains um, to, to my students and I know many colleagues at Birkbeck have been doing the same. And we're just so thrilled and excited to hear about the new work that you're doing and very much look forward to that. So thank you so much for joining me uh, on Countersign um, and, and taking the time to do this interview. Uh, I wish uh, you all thank the- you very much. 
Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, it was really nice and opportunity to share my idea. You've been listening to Countersign. Thank you for joining me. For more information, please visit countersignisapodcast.com.